Oh, hi, everybody. Welcome to the rest of you. And I'm John Hastings, too. It's like I'm Dylan God. Oh, you fucking got that me, That was man. a joke I made. LOL, LOL, LOL. This week, who are we talking about, Dylan? We're talking about Terry Funk. Terry Funk. Oh, you wake sucking dog. I talk slowly, and I, for some reason, have these weird droopy walnut eyes, so it looks like my, <laughs> my eyes are vaginas, which I don't ever talk to because i think that they are a sign of weakness i have a with the wettest hair that's ever existed somehow it's uh not gone gray even though my entire life has just been i should probably stop being a wrestler but that was 30 years ago i like how this is morphing into a stephen hawking impression no steve stephen hawking's like that I don't think you can meet two people more different than Stephen Hawking and Terry Funk. I wanted to tell you this on the podcast, so I didn't tell you beforehand. But uh, John Hastings' house, you have to walk through a park to get to it. Yeah. Um, And there's definitely, I don't know how old these people are. But uh, there was two people stand up groping each other in that park, and oh. it's so funny. Oh yeah, man. I mean, I've I've been a, a part of a lie down grope in a park during the day because I'm a man and uh, I'm forty. <laughs> but I've never seen two people like stand up facing each other. The man is like like just grabbing the woman's breasts like he's a bad doctor, and he and she's uh she's seeing if his dick works. Dude, I. No, uh, people who have lived in this house have been jerked off in the playground in that park. Granted, that was late at night. <laughs> but that's, yeah, that's late at night. That's not, like, we're recording this at 3.30 in the afternoon. Yeah, no, no. 3.30 in the afternoon, I don't know. They it's they looked like adults, John. It's also London where people fuck on the streets. <laughs> that is true. If you do not live in the UK, um, you... It's the weirdest thing because if there's trouble on a bus, everyone will leave the bus rather than but people will f- like make out. Like there's I've gotten so used to just seeing people make out. Like when I lived in Canada and someone made out, I'd be like, "What the fuck is going on yeah. here?" Oh, but yeah. but Nero's just like, "Oh, these people are coming out of their pussies and dicks." I was walking by a dumpster. I'm used to seeing coming. I was walking by a dumpster in Manchester and a guy was getting yeah. blown at like 6 <laughs> o'clock at night. But here's the thing is he wasn't even being like... He was literally just like... <laughs> he was getting... He was into it like he was alone. He was into it like they were in their bedroom and this is like birthday blowjob, let's get nasty. Not like, we've had three vodka martinis at a Tiger Tiger. Let's introduce your molars to my balls. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Put the balls in the mouth, leave the dick out of the mouth. Yeah. That's my way I like it. A friend of mine, just for fun, always makes sure to put his balls in a lady's vagina. <laughs> <laughs> Guy must have small balls. No. Why <laughs> Why does he do that? He thinks it's really funny. And then he'll be like, did it again. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, what? why... These poor women. Yeah, what the fucking losas culos. <laughs> you punta. Oh, um, that means butt. No, it doesn't. Doesn't it? Shut up. I am not fat. I am a man. I'm a man. I am hard. Ooh, I'm so hard. We record this podcast while I'm hard. Um, Terry Funk. Son of Dory. And, Duh. And I assume no woman. <laughs> <laughs> You were conceived when Dory Funk lifted up a hay bale too fast. Yeah. Dory Funk Sr. and his brother, Dory Funk 
Jr., also known as Haas in the WWF for no reason. They we'll get to that much later. Wink, wink. Um, nudge, nudge. But Vince McMahon <laughs> did, didn't goddamn care who you were. You're going to make some minor concession to work in his company. Absolutely. And many people, and this is jumping way ahead. You're Haas Funk. Well, am I... Remember this, everyone. Chainsaw Charlie, not anyone's idea but Terry Funk. Really? Terry Funk was like, oh, well, Cactus Jack, uh, he's not Mick Foley. I want to be someone different, too. And they're like... Interesting. uh, What? And he's like, I want to do this. And they're like... I guess we can do that. It's so weird. But to be fair, um, if well, you're looking at it like the people that watch their like the nor- like where their product was situated, um, I didn't know who Terry Funk was when I was like 12. The thing with is with Terry Funk being with McFoley at that point, I knew who he was because McFoley constantly talked about him being his mentor. Yeah. And and he was just sort of around. Um, he was around wrestling. He'd be mentioned if you'd watch any sort of retrospective and stuff like that. You'd read about stuff on the internet. There was also Terry Funk. In the same way that you kind of like never knew who Harley Race was, but you you knew he was a big deal. That's how I sort of always viewed Terry Funk. And Terry Funk is a massive fucking deal. The fun like think about the major territories where they all were. Let's just go back this for a second and think about the Funk family and their power. St. Louis, Chicago, L.A., New York, Charlotte. Dallas, yep. Houston, yep. Memphis, yep. And then Amarillo, New Orleans, yeah. Amarillo, Texas, yep. And they covered all of that section of Texas because it was basically they were hugely involved in the community. They mm-hmm. were local celebrities. Like the weird, the weird thing about these second generation wrestlers, like Terry Funk, is like, yeah, he's a weird guy who's had to fight his entire life. He was also like. Raised a middle class rancher kid, yeah, because his dad was a successful businessman. As weird as that's to sound, that a carnival who came from wrestling when it was just like you get in the ring and you punch him, and if he dies, then they'll know it's real. Protect the business, Terry. They don't listen. They we have a guy named Spider Dash Man. People need to think he's a real fighter, Terry. Okay, so. Well, let's let's start it out here. So he Terry was, Funk and his brother were the first two. Do not interrupt me. <laughs> he was born in 1944. First ki- in Indiana. What? Yep. I actually didn't know that's where his brother. Yeah, he was born in Indiana, and then they moved to uh, Tejas because uh, Dory Senior had a boys' ranch, which will never be appropriate again. Because who in their right fucking mind would? If someone said, I grew up on a boy's ranch, you'd be like, oh, that man was raped repeatedly, and now I am laying and, eyes on him. And the photos of Dory Funk at the boy's ranch do not make you feel like that was less of a truth. Because he is in a... It was a different time, job. He's in a weird spangly shirt, and then all these kids are in it was like a different time, tiny plum smuggler shorts and western That's what, shirts. Yeah. Just on tiny horses, like looking yeah. at him while he's on a big horse. I'm the man. <laughs> you see on the ground this horse shit that's you. You know what I am? the horse yeah but but it was a different time it was a different time it was a different time it was a time when men could compare dicks and it wasn't gay it was just what you did like it we do it every day (laughs) still dicks still the same size (laughs) still touching 
Still. Ooh, are they not touching? Oh, no, they're touching. Um, they touch each other. So Dory decided to smarten his sons up as children and explain to them that it wasn't real, that it was a predetermined thing. But you have to understand on the audience, which nearly got them kicked out of the NWA when promoters yeah. found this out because they were like, you told your kids? And by the way, one of them, in particular Bob Gagel, I think Bob Gagel, it's either Paul, Paul Gagel or Paul Bosch. Two of his kids never spoke to him again mm-hmm. because at like 22, he was like, by the way, none of that's real. And they're like, what? Like one of them, like one of them, one of them knew the junkyard dog when the junkyard dog got blinded. Their father was like, he's blind and he might die. So you might want to. <laughs> like, why, why would you do that? But that's the other weird thing about it, where Dory Sr. was also big into, like, protect the goddamn business. Because uh, Dory was, uh, as the story goes, as Terry tells us, we're not, I don't think we're going to do a Dory Funk Sr. episode, so we can just launch into we'll it. We'll never do a Dory Funk. I, we don't have enough tape to uh, record an episode about a man whose chest is that wide. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But apparently, like, the way, the way they would uh, break into the business back then was you'd go around... And you just be like the farmer who challenged these carnies in town yeah. to fight. And then you would go through like you would uh, one guy would be like, OK, beat me and uh, beat me. Who's the toughest farmer here? Who thinks he can beat me? Bet on yourself, whatever. And obviously they would win. Uh, Dory's Dory senior beat a guy who then uh, beat the guy. So then they would bring out the real shooter, like the real a Billy Robinson-esque gentleman. Yeah, like every yeah. group would have one guy who was like, I, he knows submission holds and shit and yeah. could pin you in like eight I seconds. I really hope it was Texas, so it was a young Danny Hodge. And, and like, knew how to like yeah. G- grab. Yeah, but what? anyway. Why does it smell like apples? I smushed five of them. <laughs> Why do you keep doing that? Or just like even if Dory Funk Sr. is a better wrestler than him, like, well, your eyes. Protect your eyes at all times. So then he beat that guy and then they smartened him up. But ter- Terry tells the story that he just kept, he just kept beating eating them he just and the best thing about Tor- terry funk is that he will say these clearly bullshit stories like he he will he'll be the first guy to be like wrestling is uh a work here's how i like to do my promos but i still do hate dusty rose he's an egg sucking dog and a fat piece of shit yeah. <laughs> it's just like he refuses i love that according to the internet he still refuses to be in the same room with jim ross even though him and jim yeah. ross are very good friends because jim ross uh, interrupted him in a promo during the Ric Flair buildup in the late 80s. You egg-sucking dog, Ross, <laughs> I will not. Well, it's like, I like I like little things. Like, I like that in pro wrestling. Like I like how uh, like Sami Zayn says, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a work, it's fake, but uh, El Generico, he lives in Mexico now. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's a it's nice little fun stuff. Um, he went to Texas. Uh, Terry went to Texas A and M. Went to Tex- Texas State. It became Texas A and M. You fucking idiot. Oh, he went before it was ass and money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Texas back, ass, Texas money. Back um, when it was before weed, uh, ecstasy, yeah. sex, yeah. and tits. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tits weren't invented back then. They, that's where they invented them. They invented titties. Um, so Terry, who to go with though? This is interesting stuff. Mike DiBiase. Yep. Tito Santana, I believe. Yep. Um, Dusty Rhodes. Yep. Uh, Bruiser Brody. Yep. Abdullah the Butcher's Hepatitis A. Nice. <laughs> and uh, Dick Murdoch. Oh, yeah, Dick Murdoch. Dick Murdoch. Uh, Can I do a card? Because I'm a Ku Klux Klan member, Dick Murdoch. Uh, we got to do a Tito Santana episode because apparently his book is just like, here's who's a racist. Oh, the Teddy Long Shoot interviews is like, who, yeah. who's a racist? 
Ric Flair for sure. Ric Flair for sure. Ric Flair apparently, yeah. apparently kept calling him, just referred to him as that N-word. Like in the Aww. ring, like, hey, Aaron, tell the N-word to pin to count faster. It's like, Jesus mm. fucking Christ. But that's what heels do. Psych. That would have been a babyface move there. <laughs> um, Psych. Uh, Dick, Dick Murdoch, by the way, was supposed to be the NWA champion, and then the match before he uh, he got word that he was going to get the uh, the nod. Okay. So the board would come to the town that you're in to tell you together yeah. as a group, and in the middle of the match, he lay in the middle of the ring, and you know that like lay down and then run like in a circle thing that like Homer does in an episode of The Simpsons. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The whoop 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 whoop. Yeah. Just did that in the middle of the match, uh, in a tag match with. I think it was Dusty Rhodes versus the Funks, and uh-huh. Dusty was like, "Why did you do that?" And he went, "I don't really want that belt anyway." <laughs> like, no, but that makes sense though. If you lost like his kid because he kept giving his ten-year-old beer, another fun. Thing <laughs> <with Dick Murdoch. laughs> like this. Let's do a Dick Murdoch. Like we're gonna do a Dick Murdoch episode. We shouldn't get sidetracked that much. No, because you have to understand that these are the people that are everyone around him. So Terry Funk is the reasonable posh rich kid compared to like. Uh, hey, Dick, you egg-sucking dog. Shut up, bro. I'll make you fucking iron my clan mask. <laughs> Another thing I want to get into later. Dick Murdoch, a man who always had a saddle in his apartment, even <laughs> when he was living in Minneapolis. <laughs> of course he did. He, But back then it was different. Like, like Terry Funk, I feel like I don't know if he's a nice man or if he is just nice by comparison to the fact he was with these like monsters. I think he is a nice man if you look at the way that he's built up the business the amount of wrestlers that still say that like he's there still their mentor and he like keeps tabs on them and stuff like that like in research of this stevie richards him and terry funk still talk four times a week and terry funk still will be like because the wwe has a love for terry funk and he'll Mm -hmm. still be like "Ah, Vince yeah second dog what you need to do is bring in little stevie richards (laughs) (laughs) stevie richards i mean we've mentioned that on two straight no We've mentioned a yeah two straight podcast now that Stevie Richards is fucking great. He's fucking great. Um, the Stevie kick. Ooh, you just got Stevied. I I grew up on a boys' ranch. No one touched me. Psych. They uh, touched me all over my pussy. So Terry Funk breaks into the business in what year, yep. D- Dylan? Nineteen sixty-five. It's insane. It, he wrestled last year. He wrestled in him and Dory wrestled like two or three years ago in Japan. Two or three years in, ago, by the way. Okay, first retired Japan. 1983. Uh, this is going to be a two-parter more than likely because there's a lot to get through. Here's the thing to stress: the internet does not have a tabulation of how many times Terry Funk is retired mm-hmm. because there's so many. Such as at fully loaded 1997, he says to um, or 1998, mm-hmm. he says to JBL in a promo. Uh, listen, you egg second dog, I think I'm going to retire for a bit. <laughs> and immediately just went to WCW, and so that's not technically acknowledged as a retirement, but he says he's retiring. Well, yeah, I mean, we'll talk about that in another episode, but the 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 Beyond the Mat, epi- the Beyond the Mat documentary where he retires and then doesn't, and he's back. He, he retires from everything and gets a big send-off. He loses to Brett, but... He uh, is back in the Fed three weeks later. Here's the amazing thing, though, is he does this weird thing where he'll just be like, ah, oh, no, yeah, second dog, I just retired from that area. So he's never wrestled in Amarillo again. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's great. No, but he also he retired from. All right, we're gonna get on. We're gonna get to that. All right. So 1965, working in the territories, is very much just a low-level territory guy. Goes up to the AWA, but he's still in a like. The thing you have to understand is Amarillo is a good territory. It's uh, it's very well run by his dada. So that means that you gotta you gotta push push his son son. You gotta push push his son son. Dory, by the way, is thought to have been the better worker of the two, but Terry has the better look. There was a long-held quote, which was uh, Dory Sr. said to his boys, he said, I will be able to make one of you the NWA champion. I won't be able to make both of you the NWA champion. Um, and this is an interesting thing about Terry and Dory's relationship, especially in wrestling, is they've never fucking fought. Like, look at the fucking Hart family. Smith Hart's still haunting the fucking Hart Manor in Calgary. Owen's dead. Who caused that to happen? Maybe it was Brett. We'll never know. <laughs> Um, well, his dad just seems like a really downer guy. Like, there's an interview with uh, with his dad where basically he says, like, when he starts doing all that uh, shit, like the chair shots. Yeah, he was just really worried about the chair shots, not him cutting himself. You know, when Terry started like doing the big Japan stuff and the uh, whatever, um, he was worried about not the blood. He was just like, don't fuck around with that chair shot stuff because then like you're just gonna be brain dead by the time you're like in your 60s like you can't fucking do that shit but what's also and the thing it's just like it seems like he's a guy who's just really grounded within his family but also look at the style that people rest like it was a lot more high impact and hard hitting in the 60s and 70s but it was a lot of tosses a lot of rest holds they weren't nearly as strong and jacked and shit like that so they weren't messed up in the same way like Chair shots to the head and all that sort of stuff. I do miss them because they looked a lot better, but thank God they're not doing them anymore. Because, like, Mick Foley, in the last five years of his life, whenever that occurs, is going to be the saddest man. He's just going to smell like egg sandwiches and be trying to borrow money. This is such a very specific thing, but I think, like, if they have, if they do the Performance Center well, I think one guy, they could still do chair shots to the head, but they just have only Rob Van Dam teach the class. Because he was the only one who I ever saw who could actually get his hand in front of the chair every single time and make it look good. Well, uh, Rob Van Dam... Because he would hide his hand really yeah. well. And it would touch... The thing is, because Rob Van Dam wouldn't, like... Most people would, like, block it and block their face. What Van Dam would do is he would put his hand, like, in front of his chest. Mm-hmm. So it hits the his hand, takes the entire thing, and then just guide it towards his head so it doesn't really hit his head. It was... It was very good. Absolutely. It was almost like he was a professional at faking a fight. Absolutely. Yeah, something that also Terry Funk talks about in his book and a couple of his interviews, which I think is amazing, and Rob Van Dam is amazing at this, is that when a move is about to happen and something is about to happen to you, you have to react before, during, and after, which is something that Rob Van Dam does now to the point of ridiculousness, which is like with the five-star frog splash, he always takes a minute to act hurt before pinning the guy. Yeah, but if you look at that and the way he takes the chair shot, there's that moment of panic that builds into the arm, like he's trying to block it for a second, which is how he can block it with his hand. Um, it's a lot less superhero theatrics. Terry Funk, just a middling worker up until this point. Dory gets the NWA title. No, here's the other thing, though. You gotta Dory gets the NWA title. Yeah, he's the he's not a really a middling worker because he's part of the Funks. I agree. I'm saying to remove him from the Funk family, and he's just like a an Iron Mike Sharp or any of those other guys in wrestling at that time, he'd be like what R-Truth was. He's another guy. or Who's a young guy R-Truth. coming up? R-Truth. Who's a young guy coming up? R-Truth is 47 years old. A, Sammy Zayn. Not even Sammy Zayn. There's no young guys in the WWE right now. A young, what do you mean? A young guy coming up who doesn't really have his feet under him? Yeah. Me? It'd be you. 
Um, Who is a young guy coming? That's insane. There isn't any of them because of how Roman Reigns. If you get any Roman Reigns, actually. Because, yeah, because all the indie workers who are ready are all like, uh, they, you know, they have some problem with them. Whereas, yeah, they just throw these dudes. Maybe Braun Strowman? The only young guys in there are the guys with crazy looks that Terry Funk had. One thing that Terry Funk had, which is very bizarre, that his brother didn't, is his... Dory Funk Dory Funk was just of a different era in that Dory Funk was much like his father. He was like a shoot-style wrestler, and that's why he was like a better worker. By the way, if because you want to know how you can identify a shoot-style wrestler, T-shirt that doesn't match their trunks, that's blank, walk into the ring. <laughs> No, his... Uh, is there a sweat stain? <laughs> yes, there is. He did the fucking uh, puffy out varsity jacket thing. Oh, that's the other one. And then the hands on the hips like, I'm a goddamn, I'm and, a goddamn wrestler. And you, be- you best fucking believe there's a towel wrapped around their neck for no discernible reason. Because <laughs> sometimes your neck gets sweaty. You better no, goddamn acknowledge. Two out of three match, two out of three uh, fall matches, what they would do is you'd get a, you'd lose a fall and then there'd be a five to ten minute rest period where your guy, which they eliminated in the 70s, actually, so it'd yeah. say, you, it would be like a three-minute rest period, but your guy, you would have a manager to come out and pat your head and give you advice such as, well, you really lost that one. Um, Maybe you shouldn't get pinned so easily. Another yeah. advent of Dory Senior. S- you sit when you pee, little sissy. Was oh, you Texas sissy little girl. Deathmatch. Texas Deathmatch, where if you were pinned, no matter where you are in the building, you had the count of 10 to answer it, and you just keep going. Which meant there were four and a half hour long versions of nice. this. And the reason why they did it, we were listening to a shoot interview before, but then I read into it, was part of it was sometimes it was tough to get people to come to Texas. Like they would have big lull periods because it was an oil town and it was a textiles town. So depending on what time of the month, because it was every Thursday, sometimes you could only get Dory Funk and one other guy to make it like cost available. So you'd build towards something which could just be one match for the entire time. And that's what they would do. Yeah, and the other thing I, ju- I just thinking about this, maybe the reason why Terry and Dory remember maybe never fought was because maybe like they're very complimentary of each other as a tag team, and maybe sometimes sometimes you just don't want to see a tag team ever fight. Like I completely agree. the New Age Outlaws and the Dudleys. Uh, I mean, those are two new examples, but I never thought like I wish Road Dog and Billy would get into a feud. You know what I mean? I will go. I will do an even more modern version. Which is something they did do, which I don't like, which is when they broke up the shield, I was like, I don't want to see these guys fight each other. I like seeing these guys together. Yeah. And that's, it's the same thing with the NWOs. You wanted the NWO, which was Hogan, Hall, and Nash. You just wanted them to stay together. In the same way they never really could break up Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. You wanted the Four Horsemen yeah. together as a unit. You never needed to see them break up. Yeah. And, like, and the I- inverse of it, look at Bret and Owen Hart as brothers with chemistry. All you wanted to do was see those two fucks go at it. And they fucking had great matches. They had great matches. Um, so Dory's the NWA champion. This leads to both real life and wrestling feuding with the Briscoes. Because Dory is supposed to drop the title to Jack. Mm-hmm. Dory supposedly gets in a car accident. All the funks still claim they did. The Briscoes... Do not believe there was ever a truck accident. He didn't want to drop it in Texas, and he dropped him, dropped it to him somewhere else in the country. This led to huge fucking animosity between the family. They had some amazing matches. They're now better now, although apparently Jack isn't the biggest fan of them. Yeah, and the other thing is the long-held belief for Jack Briscoe is that Dory Funk Sr. never wanted Jr. 
to job to him. And uh, still to this day believes, like, the old man goddamn had it out for him. And uh, so they invented the truck thing, Obvi. And what put it on... And Terry was kind of... Terry's very interesting in this whole thing because both Briscoes like Terry. And, like, still, like, are nice with him. Terry even, like, smartened Jack up to the fact that uh, when you get in a bar fight with, like, uh, with a guy who thinks that bullshit wrestling's fake... As Terry Funk put it, here's why Terry Funk's very interesting. He put it, um, you can't just beat them up, you have to mark them. So that they, so when they talk to their friends, they have a visible scar so they can say, oh, that wrestling shit is real. Which is an insane. 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 And also, Jack But Briscoe, that's just the way it was. Jack Briscoe is who he dropped the title to. He, yep. Jack Briscoe dropped the title to Terry Funk. Yeah. Terry Funk won the NWA championship. Look it up. It's an interesting article. Anyway, Dory Funk Sr. has died. Dory Funk Jr. takes the Amarillo seat on the NWA board. The NWA board meets. Now it's nine members uh, with the chairman who at the time was Fritz Von Erich, uh, who is also a Texas-based promoter, um, who would only vote if there was a tie. It was essentially going to be three to five for Harley Race to get his second reign. And Dory Funk was able to manipulate it and swing it and basically made this long speech about how Terry was a college graduate and that would look better as a legitimizing factor for their sport if there was a college graduate as the champion. Well, because this, at this point, though, they wanted a college graduate. Yeah, they wanted a college graduate. They wanted- it, sounds, it sounds silly, but that's like they wanted – because wrestling – and still is, you know, big in fucking goddamn lower class white trash communities. Yeah. It's scumbag ballet. <laughs> it is the theater of the Budweiser. <laughs> Pardon me, madam, put on your finest frock. We're going to the sportatorium to watch Fritz von Eric wear a shirt and be fat. <laughs> um, and ended up with a 4-4 tie. And Dory Funk knew this, which I did a bunch of research, which is uh, Fritz von Eric and a lot of the Southern promoters basically didn't like that there was re- pro wrestling in the North and viewed it as their thing and always wanted a Southern champion. So, boom, Fritz von Eric went, no, Terry Funk is the champion. He won it and was a champion for 18 months, did the entire champion's loop, which is basically you go anywhere, uh, everywhere all the time, which was very good for Terry because his family left him. <laughs> well, that's the thing, though, because uh, during this whole run... This is the whole reason Terry. This is the, and it's it's really, I kind of like this way of booking, and you can't do this anymore. Yeah, it's right. You ache, second dog. You like everything I do. Dory's you, the champ. You paint your Jack legs wants like the my, belt like my Titanic. So CW. Terry just basically loses. So the whole the storyline is Jack Briscoe beats Terry Funk. He gets another shot at Dory Funk, and Terry just goes like coast to coast, losing to Jack Briscoe. Yeah, yeah, which is like. Because it's a tag team, it's an associate of him, obviously, because it's a bra-bra. But uh, at the same time, not breaking up this tag team, you've created... Like, this is what they did before factions. You don't beat two people to get to one, you just beat one guy to get to the other. Yeah. You know? It makes sense. It's a it's an interesting proxy, but it's also then from him being then the NWA champion, he becomes familiar in all these markets and yeah. becomes a commodity. And what he basically does is he starts doing what he's always done. We're going to go back to Japan in a second, all you fucking nerds. Goes around and basically does what he's done for the rest of his career, which is he pops territories and is a um, is an attraction unto himself. Yeah. He basically, from that moment, never needed a belt, would come in for really limited runs, 
make a couple of guys incredibly well and fuck off again, usually claiming he was retired. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Dylan, uh, let's take a quick break. No, we got to talk. We got to do the. We got to talk about Terry's divorce and then we'll take a break. Okay, we'll talk about Terry's divorce. Because here's. All right. So basically, we talked about this before we got on the air. But what do you think? Ter- I hear Terry Funk has been married to the same woman, basically, uh, since Vicky, 1965. Vicky, I love you. And you've got weird old lady hair. And 65? Yeah, when he started wrestling, I suppose. Yeah, um, they were probably high school sweethearts because it's the South, so it's like, yeah. oh, remember, we believe in God, so if you're married, then you can fuck whoever you want. <laughs> anyway, so... Uh, hey, Frank Goodish, I'm going to call you Bruiser Brody, which is the nickname for all the vaginas, my <laughs> penises, man. How? Well, I think I think, I think think he they, they basically get divorced for uh, 18 months and then get back together. Southern, and do then, you know anyone who's been divorced and gotten back together and gotten remarried? It's like a little uh, break, if you would say. I just I a little a little break <laughs> Why do you keep so to promote something. Oh, you want to talk about how we're going to take a break in a second? No, I thought that was a really good segue. No, because I want to break this point. Okay, we've all seen Beyond the Mat. Yep that that is from na- the n- er, the late nineties. Yep. We are a good 16 years away, 17, maybe 18 years away from the filming of that. Yep. And in that movie, she has an exasperated look on her face of like, would this fucking asshole stop this? Stop this nonsense. But I really like the idea. Like, I was saying this before, but I think it, I do think it was one of those things where it's like, people were just like, here's what you do if you're a wrestler. You get drunk and you fuck new pussy and your old pussy, she just wait at home. And he was like, Terry Funk was like, yeah, yeah, you do. And then she was like, I'm leaving. He was like, wait, no, because that's why I lost the belt. He was like, uh, I assume the conversation went, prove you're going to change. And he's like, I'm losing the belt tomorrow. That's and uh, he, he lost to uh, Harley, Harley Race. Race. Yeah, which is probably why he's still so liked in the wrestling community because he was like, and it, I, I, I kind of think this carries over towards comedy where it's like it's one of those things where so many people are so, who get into it are sociopaths <laughs> who only care about comedy that when you meet someone who is pretty successful and also a grounded person, it's just like, yeah, it's like finding a fucking four-leaf clover. Diamond in the rough, love. Diamond, diamond in the clover? Diamond in the, yeah. A diamond cutter in the rough? It's a diamond cutter in the rough. A butt slutter in the butt? <laughs> it's an... It's not an RKO, it's an ROK. Ooh, let's take a BKO. Break knockout. Man, Dylan, I'm really enjoying listening to this particular episode of the rest of the review. Yes, this is a newly recorded break. What information are we adding, you say? Ooh, I'm excited. Please rate and subscribe. That has not changed. Rate us as five stars on iTunes. If you do not think it's a five-star podcast, Break your computer and kill yourself. Yeah. Secondly, uh, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Wrestler Review. And thirdly, we are not going to set up a Patreon, but we are both stand-up comedians. So, multiple albums? Indeed. Buy them all at thejohnhastings.com or dylanagot.com. The A is for asshole, right? Also, guys, let's just quickly say this. A lot of podcasts have Patreons and other fucking PayPals, Amazon links. We're not asking for that. We're just asking to buy our albums to support us if you like the show. Also, if you were listening to a podcast that has a Patreon link or you're a podcast that has a Patreon link, you're exploiting your listeners. You're no better than Donald Trump. 
Yeah. Terry Funk's just laid down for har- handsome Harley Race. I think let's just go back quickly talk about how he started going to Japan. for Shoshihi Ababa. Uh, Ababa. Uh, All Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, there was a giant blood feud between uh, New Japan and All Japan. Basically came out of Ricky Dozen's um, uh, JC, uh, JCW. Yep. Japan, uh, Japan Championship Wrestling. That's what that means. Um, he had two heirs. He had two great, like his two biggest draws with the giant Baba, Antonio Inoki. Yep. And instead of staying together and keeping his company alive, yep. they shit on his grave and made their own. Woo! And currently, All Japan is a bag of shit. Mm-hmm. And New Japan is considered the greatest wrestling company on the planet. Based coming out of the... Well, because they had the Ali uh, Inoki match. was New Japan. New Japan, yeah. But uh, All Japan, by the way, was leading that competition up until the death of the Giant Baba. Yeah. Like, he was really smart, used American talent properly, would do things that, uh, if his business was uh, slipping, Mm -hmm. would bring in... Terry Funk to retire, which is what he does in 1983. Terry Funk and Dory were sort of these... But, but can I say something, though? Giant, Yeah, Giant Baba didn't die for millions of years. Didn't die until 99. Yep. And then uh, literally immediately there started being trouble. <laughs> That's so bizarre. Because the other thing about... Well, uh, what do you think is going to happen? When Vince dies, the WWE w- will be fucked. You think so? Yeah. Huh, interesting. There'll be a job. I think that there'll be a big. There'll be problems. There'll be a big power struggle. Yeah. Um, the idea that Shane McMahon's back is like mm, that's weird, and the fact that he's a contracted performer and has no like say in the actual running of the company is just bizarre. No, I don't think. I mean, for me, I think that would be Shane being like, "Yeah, I don't want to run this. Stephanie yeah. can run this. I don't care." Yeah, I tried to run this and told you to buy the UFC, yeah. and we'd have a billion dollars. Instead, you said no. And yeah. you are not a billionaire. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and Stephanie has done her best to like start working out and look more like China. Yeah, for Triple H who likes pegging. <laughs> Triple H likes pegging. This Triple show H is like a pegging. reason why Dylan and I will <laughs> never work for the Federation. Because yeah, this is the only thing standing in the way. One of the very few things. One of the very, very few things. Okay. To quote my friend Brendan Burns, I could work for them. All I need is the email address, and it could happen. <laughs> That's what he said? Yes. <laughs> what a good man. He also also claims that legal at the WWE is aware of he and I because we were doing these alternative commentaries. And there were a couple of episodes, one in particular, where um, he and another comedian, John Robertson, had to drink Monster every time a wrestler who was dead appeared. And they had drank like f- six cans within about <laughs> 20 minutes. Oh, gross. That's terrifying. <laughs> and Legal is aware of them because of the heart condition they have now? And Legal is aware of them because they'd watch it? I don't fucking know. That's terrifying. All right. Um. Well, hey, here's the thing about uh, Japanese pro wrestling. It's fun. Um. Oh, yeah. Well, cause, uh, so the funks come in as uh, a gaijin. And basically... They're yeah, there to be like, we're American, we're here to beat up you filthy slopes. You fucking losers. Well, and Funk says this, Funk says that... I was recently in Britain, and they call all boo. of you kitchens. Because it rhymes with chink. That's what you boo. are. <laughs> Cheer. <laughs> uh... So he said that even like the post-war tensions were still felt to the point where like they'd have signs that were like, 
you're American? Get the fuck out. I don't know why they talk like that. But they would be like, yeah. uh, are you American? Get out of here. You can't eat in our restaurant. And he'd be like, whatever. Okay. I whatever. I, I don't want your noodles anyway. It's all noodles. I know that's a new egg sucking dog make a steak or a hamburger. What you the? Egg dog. I imagine that Terry Funk first tour in all Japan was like the first 10 minutes of Mr. Baseball. He's like, what the? How do I turn this into a hamburger? Uh, you can't, sir. Whoa! A- Where do I shit here? Where's the toilet paper? There is no toilet paper. Whoa! I'll just wipe this shit on my hand then. Yeah. And I'll Which get one of you, you short losers <laughs> to lick it off, you small dicked cat eaters. Shut up, you're fat. Oh, Stan Hansen's here. <laughs> Stan Hansen. Lariat. 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 I guess what Stan Hansen also just a nice man. Yeah. What's up with Terry Funk, Stan Hansen, uh Bruiser Brody was also a very nice man. Apparently Bruiser Brody Bruiser like was a bit of a dick. But he was also but he seemed like the kind of guy who was a dick to promoters more than anything, because promoters would always like try and stiff you for money and Brody was always like, Give me a fucking give me my fucking I've been stabbed. Yeah. Oh, Fun thing about that s- that stab thing because it's ter- Terry Funk was talking about it yeah. in an interview, and uh, Tony Atlas had to carry yeah. Bruiser Brody onto the ambulance. Jesus. And then they got Terry, f- or they got Tony Atlas out of the hospital, and he was going into surgery, and he came back, and Bruiser was dead. And the doctor said something, and Tony, like whatever, is a nutcase who loves women to walk on his feet, so uh, f- uh, walk on his face, so who knows? But basically, the doctor said to him in like broken English, was like, "Man, come say no." surgery on your friend and it was like what? what whoa so somebody yeah said no surgery yeah well they basically were like yeah they w- they just killed him yeah it's the mob yeah yeah just like the fucking like a ricky you were talking about the ricky dozan thing where uh ricky dozan was basically st- he the the story the official story was that he hit a guy from the yakuza and the guy from stabbed him but i'm sure it was just like the guy from the yakuza stabbed him yeah um, but he stabbed him with a like the guy pissed on the pissed wait. on the knife first, so that it would make Ricky hard <laughs> because he loved piss play. <laughs> that's uh, that's Dylan got shoot interview. What was it? Is Xbox hot? <laughs> yes. Yeah, he is. I fucked him. <laughs> You're such a slut, Dylan. Yeah. How was it? Lyrics. 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 How was it? Fucking Candace Michelle. Average. Whoa! Shocking. <laughs> All these shoot interviews look like they were taped inside a rec center while someone's kid was playing hockey. Yeah. Hey, pardon me, kayfabe commentaries. Do you tape all of your shoot interviews inside the same hotel room in New Jersey? More like shit interviews. <laughs> uh, I also think that Terry Funk was probably not welcome there. It had nothing to do with post-war tensions, but more had to do with like him getting on the fucking mic in the fucking... Tokyo Dome every two weeks and be like, listen up, you egg sucking dogs. You know what the difference between here and America is? America's not fully you. Like, yay. <laughs> like, that's that, what that would it was. be me cheering. Because he was this American heel brawler guy. Yeah. That only turned when Abdullah the Butcher came and literally stabbed him in the arm with a fork. Yeah, he was, uh, him and his brother turned when. But that's the same thing with everybody. You turn when people stab you with a fork yeah that's exactly. and during this run actually he had a fi- re- uh dave met Meltzer gave them a five-star match with him and him and him and uh dory against stan hansen and uh 
Brody. Which, if you're going to turn somebody, obviously you're going to turn, like, because if you think about that's the lineage of, like, Stan Hansen. Funk would have started working started working in 72. Yeah. Stan Hansen and Brody started working, like, what, late 70s? Late 70s, early 80s. So that's the lineage, right? Like, these are the new crazy guys. So you have the mat technician and the crazy guy against just two insane people. Yeah. And, of course, they're going to be baby faces if they're up against fucking, like, the two bigger crazy guys. Yeah, it's like the, it's the evolution of Texas wrestling in Japan, which is like, yeah. two nice gentlemen in cowboy hats. The things they say about our country are, while they're unkind, are based in truth versus a man who's going, Lariat. Another man is going, Oof. Lariat. Imagine Bruiser Brody in the WWF, the shitty gimmick they would have given him. Like, he's they, the Viking man. Well, they tried to do that. The Berserker. Was that who Bruiser... That, but that wasn't Bruiser Brody. No. It wasn't Bruiser Brody. It was Jim Nord. But... They were trying to... That was yeah, that was their, like, Bruiser Brody knockoff. The husking... They've used... They've had people who, like, husked whatever before, because that's what Brody would do. Um, he was in... That was the thing. They wanted... I think... I don't know if I'm... Um, we'll do a Bruiser Brody episode and then I'll have a. But I, I was under the impression that they wanted. Uh, Vince was like, Bruiser, do you want to work in my territory? And Bruiser was like, Nah, man, I'm a free bird. And then he fingered Vince, and then <laughs> whatever. The rumor was you can't he- tie down a guy who's into fucking. He wants to rock no domes, but he ain't leaving it in. There was a rumor that Bruiser was hired by the NWA to just go to WrestleMania one and rush the ring. <laughs> Um, the, my still the best story of all of that is in there's the, so many stupid fucking stories that came out of this. The only I heard that the, they were gonna hire a helicopter that was actually Dick Murdoch to, <laughs> to shoot Hulk Hogan with its lasers because everyone invented lasers was in the NWA. The only one that I do believe is that uh, Vince uh, Jim Ross was taking a shit at the NWA board meeting in Las nice. Vegas. And uh, two guys walked into the room and were like, what are we going to do about uh, Vinny Jr.? And one of them just went, we could fucking shoot him. And then Jim Ross was just like, and there was just silence for a long time. <laughs> um, so, yeah, well, that's more defeat than anything Yeah, else. but I agree. So and we're Terry not going to actually shoot him. Uh, Terry Funk, his first retirement was where, Dylan? In Japan. In Japan in 1983. Part of that was because the he was knowing, he knew that he would need to go to the Fed sooner than later and wanted to make sure that his Japanese commitments were completely sort of taken care of. So if he did have to sign a contract, he wouldn't have to give over a part of his Japanese earnings, which was a big thing that was happening at the time. Vern Gagne tried to do it with Hulk Hogan and other people because um, uh, the Funks at this point lost or were about to lose the Armadillo ter- uh, Amarillo Territory. Yeah, the Armadillo Territory. <laughs> That's not funny. And so, and I believe they sold it to... Me. They sold it to Fritz von Erich, I believe. Cool. Um, which so Leon Tejas. Which uh, led to the rise of the uh, WCCW uh, and all that nonsense. Nonsense? Yeah, no, because they would have popped that territory. This is WCCW's big right at this point. Yeah, this, understand, is WC- this is Von Erichs versus fucking... Uh, Freebirds. Yeah, Freebirds. And this is also, if you notice, Funk, nowhere near it. Funk picks his NWA spots very specifically, does a lot of time in Japan, starts trying to go to LA and be in movies, and then Vince starts fucking expanding. Terry Funk, as you can see, as soon as he's done being the NWA championship once, just becomes an attraction in certain territories, realizes where he needs to be as the fucking Fed, 
and starts getting ready to go to the Fed, for example, retires in Japan, doesn't wrestle there for a while, starts getting ready and finding other things, ends up in a couple of movies eventually in L.A., such as... Roadhouse. Roadhouse. And also, in 78, he was in... Because him and uh, Stallone were good friends, so he just did a bunch of shitty made-for-TV movies. <laughs> Terry Funk is like... It's almost unprecedented in... I, I don't think I've heard of a man who can just be friends with everybody like he was. Because this is also the run we're going to talk about now, the 80s, is him doing short spots in Japan. Is basically the, uh, my wi- I want my wife to still be with me run. Uh, yeah. Which is he's done short runs. You can just do little tours of Japan, make some coin. Uh, there he's like a cashable star. I'd say even more than he is in the States yeah. um, at this point. Um, so he does a little run in the WWF where he does, I think, one of the cooler debuts I've ever seen where he, uh, he comes in and he's like the rough, tough, tough Texan boy. And, uh, I wanted to touch on this before because we're, we are going to do two parts, uh, because there is kind of two parts of Terry Funk's career. There's one where he's the like crazy maniac and the other one where he still is crazy maniac, but he has, like, since he's so old, he, he just, just has doesn't a, have any knees. Well, he just has uh, such a level of sympathy, like such yeah. a g- great baby face. And this is still when Terry Funk is uh, absolutely insane, and his first Fed debut is uh, him beating the shit out of a jobber, getting disqualified, and then... No, the match doesn't even start, because no, what happens is... No, he the shit out of a jobber. No, because... Uh, a guy, he hands his cowboy hat to like a, a ring attendant, and the ring attendant puts the hat on, and is like, oh, look, I got a hat on. And then Terry Funk beats the living shit out of him, <laughs> like rips off all his clothes and starts beating the shit out of him. And uh, obviously he's not naked, but he just like rips his shirt off. And they do that great thing. I haven't seen a beat down like this in a while where it's like, the guy just goes limp completely after the first punch, and he just tears his clothes off. And then the jobber comes in and is like, hey, why are you? You gonna fuck this guy or what? Then he's like, "Well, fuck you. How about I fuck you?" And then he fucks the jobber too, with his fists, um, not his dick. What's odd, by the way, is in this period they constantly put Terry Funk with a manager, even though he doesn't need anyone to speak for him. Yeah, but it's just like at that point, it's like that's how you have a manager for everybody because the heel needs to cheat, you know. Yeah. And uh, the other thing, the reason I wa- I thought this debut is interesting because it is a version of the debut that they used for Austin as a heel when he came. After being the ringmaster, because Austin would just disqualify himself and be like, there, you won, and then just beat the shit out of the mm. guy, uh, which is, like, another great way to get over the, like, Texas crazy boy. Yeah, he's a naughty boy from Texas. He's a naughty boy from Texas. I just thought that was a really great debut, because usually it's, like, bell rings, the guy's nuts, but this is, like, the character's over immediately, because it's, like, I don't give a shit about a match, I'm just nuts. And he's also brought in with his brother, who's named Hoss in this iteration, yep, by the way. and Jimmy Jack Funk. Jimmy Jack Funk, who was just a guy. <laughs> it was just like, we need another Funk. I think Why? Because... Uh, be, I think that was also Corporal Kirchner, and then Leatherface in Japan is who that was. Because I think who yeah. Jimmy Jack Funk was. Jimmy Jack Funk? Jimmy Jack Funk! I think Jimmy Jack Funk is that guy. Am do I you know why he... Uh, do, you want, do you want to know why? He, no, that was not him. Jimmy Jack Funk was... Uh, he, was uh, he was one of the assassins for a short time. Um... So uh, you want to know why, how he left the Fed? Terry Funk did? He ju- I know exactly how he left. It's the best story ever. This is too much work. I'm leaving. <laughs> he left a note that one of his horses were sick. <laughs> he was like, Vince, one of my horses is No, he didn't. He didn't leave a note. He was in the middle of the night with Jimmy Hart. Yeah. He looked at his schedule, and he was going to be on the road for like the next 30 weeks. Because they yeah. literally were just like, 
you're not going home for the next two years. What? Yeah, because this is when wrestling. This was the first boom. He came in right at run eight tours because people just love wrestling now. He came in right after WrestleMania one. Um, Mm -hmm. and so he, uh, he woke up. He was sharing a room with Jimmy Hart. Dory had left. Like Dory left pretty much right away when they were like, "You're gonna be Haas." What? I'll try. No, fuck you. And he left. So Terry stayed about <laughs> Terry, Terry stayed before WrestleMania two to right before WrestleMania three. And right before WrestleMania three, he was getting up and leaving. And Jimmy Hart was like, well, where are you going? He's like, Hey, tell Vince my horses are sick. And then he just never came back, but apparently kept getting paid for a while. Yeah, of course. Cause Terry Funk is just that likable. It seems like, because he's not a guy who wouldn't just job to everybody. Like no, there's a lot of people fuck. who would just leave who are like, I got my eight wins. In my mind, I'm, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm worth money now because I because the crowd believes I'm the best. Whereas Terry Funk would be like, I'll job to whoever you want. Yeah, just, who do you want me to lose to? I, oh my God, the idea of notions. You got it, you egg-sucking dog. Who do you want me to lose to? Is it a boy? I'm on a boy's ranch. All right, so he takes a couple years, not a couple years off, but does Japan tour Japanese, Japanese tours, tours and then comes house comes back at uh the fucking uh shy town rumble i believe yep uh as one of the former nwa champions if in case of a schmoz they will elect a new champion yeah the Ricky's, judge Ricky's he's a judge in the steamboat flare match steamboat flare match great promo i would suggest um if you haven't seen this promo watch this promo where Ric Flair is being in the ring, being congratulated, Jim Ross, and Terry Funk gets in, coming across like a confused, curmudgeonly old man, even though he looks... He's just in the ring for no reason. Just he's in a tuxedo. He's in this tuxedo that's like... This thing. <laughs> it's just the weir- the most bizarrely put-on tuxedo yeah, I've ever it, seen. Yeah, it just looks like the vest of the tuxedo looks like he fucking uh, attacked a sofa from 1989. But it's such a great angle because it's like... Terry Funk uses both sides of his personality. He's the affable, actual Terry Funk, and then he just turns on Flair. And but he's also annoying. Like that's the yeah. biggest. Where I just want to say, you know, I would have yeah. definitely because you're the best wrestler. And then you can see him turn that, and he's like, "Well, I want." And Ric Flair's like, "Ah, uh, yeah, there's uh, ten people in front of you. Oh, I'm not good enough. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just letting you know. All right, I'll see. Fuck you. Fuck you." And that table is great. That pile driver on the table is Which, so by good. the way, they didn't tell anyone they were going to do. Yeah. It was just close to the ring and they tried it, yeah. which is why it doesn't break. It yeah. just falls over on them. And then Terry Funk, to f- uh, cover that, just picks the table up and puts it on Ric Flair. But that's the thing that I like about it is it just looks more, you know? Yeah. It just looks more real because, of course, don't tell them. You're not going to do stuff. Like, people remember, like uh, like we did the Goldberg episode, like, there's a reason I were all those years and, like, one of the standpoint matches for me was always the Regal Goldberg match because you can tell something different is happening. Yeah, it's, you know? you're like, oh, this is not supposed to be real. Yeah, exactly. This is, like, you can t- you can tell those, always tell those moments where it's not as sleek as... For some reason, they put him with Gary Hart, but that gives him the ability to team with Great Muda a couple of times, which is great. They talk about his Japanese connections. Then, of course, on a uh, Clash of Champions, Terry Funk puts a plastic bag over Ric Flair's great. head and tries to kill him. <laughs> I mean, that's great. Because, like I said, like... Do you know why that was done? What's a way without blood to get over the fact this guy's fucking insane? Plastic bag, please. Also, you know why that was done? Why? TBS had said no more blood on television. Yeah. And Dusty Rhodes was like, 
baby, what you're going to do is you're going to put a bag over his head. See, I feel like that's the thing that one of, I know I I don't want to be one of those guys who always says this, but that is one of the things where the Fed is missing, where like when uh, Daniel Bryan got fired for the first time for choking someone during the Nexus With angle. With a tie, yeah. Yeah, they shouldn't have they shouldn't have been like, "Oh, sorry, get Daniel Bryan out there." They the next week they should have been like, "All right, how do we do something like that?" But like getting around the wording of what what they're telling us we can't do. Yeah. You know? Because you just need... It's not even for, like, shit, like... It's not even just for, like, oh, choking. It's not necessarily choking that's the the part... It, how do you say this? It's not necessarily choking that is the thing that is... I'm going to try and form a sentence. Okay. It's not necessarily that you need choking. It's just that you need something that's not... A beatdown where they do their finishing move and then stomp them a bunch of times afterwards. Like, yeah. you need variety in the way you beat a guy down, you know? Yeah, I also miss the old days of DX and NWO would do this where you just go to the camera at the back and the guy would just be lying on the ground. Shit like that. Yeah. Uh, Terry Funk loses his match to Ric Flair. It's a great I quit match. Yep. Although they, for some reason, don't have... Another five-star match. The arena, the mic uh, plugged into the uh, feed for the at-home. No, they do not. So it's just a... In the arena mic, so you just hear like, "Oh, is he gonna quit?" <laughs> Terry Funk comes in. Gary uh, beats him. Shakes Ric Flair's hand. Acknowledges him. he's a man. He is yeah. a man. I love the fact that the storyline can just be like, "You're a man. You're a man." <laughs> and then Terry in Funk the South, people are like, "Goddamn right." And then Terry Funk fucking leaves again. Yeah, of course he does. This is what people. This is what I think wrestling should become, and the reason why everyone's like, "Oh." People only pop ter- pop the Fed now, like they only do short runs, and they just book people who do short runs well. And I think it's because this is the way wrestling should be. Yeah, you should have in, like a, a variety. The guy comes in for three months, he wins five times, he loses once, he's out. And then the last time, oh, we last time we saw him, he wa- he lost. And then all you have to do to erase the memory of that loss is show the five times that he won. Yeah. Also, it makes I mean it makes no sense to be like I know I've choked you almost to death with a plastic bag but all is forgiven and they just uh, it makes i just hate how 80s baby faces just made them like well you know you tried to murder me and my family but in the last eight seconds we've been friends so we'll just go with that the amount of times people were like hulk hogan i did all this stuff for you but that was now how about you shake my hand and he would just be like all right Well, I guess it's that superhero thing where it's like, we can't kill anybody. And Hulk Hogan's weird thing where the only person that he seemed to physically actually distrust was Jesse the Body Ventura. Yeah, well, that was because they legit hated each other. Yeah, because Hogan and Jesse both stole the exact same gimmick from superstar Billy Billy Graham. Graham. Also, I watched some Billy Graham promos this week just because I got sick and tired of researching Terry Funk. Mm -hmm. And fuck me, is it just the exact same guy? Oh, 100%. Yeah, the bizarre thing is it's like gorgeous George Muhammad Ali, Billy Graham, and then Billy Graham like because I mean we'll do we'll do an episode on Billy Graham. The for sure Vince didn't want that's the thing that's the thing a uh, genius thing about Terry Funk, I think, is that he never sticks around long enough to get old after like yeah. he does his hard work for those eleven years before like becoming the NWA champion and after that, uh he really makes the decision to be special. Yeah, he you know and Always is an attraction. Yeah. And as we'll cover in part two, mm. he becomes so attractive to you, me, and a little thing called barbed wire. 
Dylan, Ooh. best thing about Terry Funk in this iteration? Oh, you mean Terry Funk? We'll say young Terry Funk, even yeah. though he's retired four times? Yeah, we'll say young Terry Funk, even though he's retired 11 times. <sighs> young Terry Funk. For, I mean, he's the total package. He really is. He's the total package. Um, he's like a guy. He's the perfect, and he's one of those things. He's like, uh, I guess he's kind of like, it sounds weird to say, but he's kind of like Mick Foley in this way, where he's a upper mid Carter who will challenge for the title, and he's comfortable with that. I think yeah. is his best thing. Like the best thing, he is the total package. He's a great worker, and he's great on the mic and everything else. Uh, but said, the right only here. thing, the only thing you can say that's bad. Or, I mean, the, uh, the best thing about him is that he's just a total team player at a time when that wasn't a thing, you know? When the it was stack-up wins against people because, oh, I've beaten the WCW champion, now I can go to the WWF and be booked properly. Or, oh, I've beaten – I was competitive with Hulk Hogan in a match, you can book me as the WCW champion. Like, that's the game that's going on, and uh, he just doesn't play it. He comes in, he, you know, he just – whatever you need me to do. I won't do anything stupid because I've grown up in this business, but also I don't care. I have a family. To break it down more so, whatever he's doing, you're excited to see him do it, and you'll enjoy it. My favorite thing about Terry Funk? Yes. The amount of yelling he does in the ring when wrestling. <laughs> like He's the only guy where it's like, and they're about to lock up, fuck you! <laughs> He's yeah. He's uh. He's the what do you say? Would you say version one of what Kevin Owens does? Yeah, he's the progenitor of the Kevin Owens style. He's great. I say the worst thing about him. Uh, I his t- I don't like the fact that he wore uh that he wore those tight. I know no one wore pants tights. Yeah. Uh, back then, but that man needs pants tights like his. Oh boy, those, those legs are skinny. Like he, you can tell that Dory. You, I'll tell you this: you can tell Dory and Jack and Jerry, Dory Funk and Jack Briscoe and uh, Jerry Briscoe were all amateur wrestlers, and Terry Funk was, and then stopped because, good lord, uh, he just basically has like a regular man's legs. In, I don't want to say anything mean about Terry Funk. How about that? Yeah, I don't think I can say anything. The only thing I was going to say is like his legs could be bigger, but also the fact that they're not's fine. I, I was gonna say the worst body thing positivity about, review. I would say the worst thing about Terry Funk is that he just like he just loves a mullet too much. But I don't care. I like no, no. I love I love wet Jerry curl Terry Funk. Well then, get ready to fucking he love. He was the blackest the NWA episode. champion for a long time. What? He was he the, the blackest, blackest NWA champion just because of how wet his hair was. Well then, let's get ready to Freddie. To Freddie, coming up in episode two. ECW. Ladies and gentlemen. Yes, that's right. Next week is Terry Funk again. The Ter- old years. Terry Funk, the other retirement years. Have ever witnessed. <laughs> Champ, congratulations. Thank you very much. Not in character for Ric Flair, but Rick Steamboat is the greatest champion I've ever faced. And I'm proud to be here for a sixth time. Uh, hey, hey, Rick. I want to be the first to congratulate you on being the new world's champion. Terry, thank you very much. We do appreciate the judges being here. Hey, Rick, I also want to say that if it would have gone 60 minutes that I would have liked to have, uh, I would have voted for Ric Flair because I think that you're the greatest wrestler in the world today. Very nice, thank you very much, Terry. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Terry. You know, champ, it went past 35, 40 minutes. It was nip and tuck both. You know, I would, I would also like to go ahead 
And I'd also like to go ahead and, and be the first one to challenge Ric Flair to that new championship. Well, Terry, uh, I'm honored that you'd like to get in the picture, but as the wrestling fans know, you've been an active, you've been in Hollywood, Sylvester Stallone, while I've been being the world champion. And we got a top 10. We got a top 10 that the world champion is obligated to wrestle. And that's why we are number one. Wait a minute, Rick. Wait a minute. Are you, are you really saying that uh, I'm not a contender? No, what I'm saying, Terry, is that you are a great wrestler, but right now you're rubbing shoulders with Sylvester Stallone and not the no. world champion. No, 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 no. I was just asking, do you think it, uh, you're I'm not good enough? You're saying that I'm not good enough, aren't you, Rick? I'm not saying that at all, Terry. Yes, you are. Me to look you in the eye and tell you that I got a problem with wrestling a guy that's been out in Hollywood for five years. It's the bottom line, but I'm looking at the top ten, and you're no. not in the top ten. No, Rick, Rick, Rick. Let me conclude this by saying thank you. I'm honored, everybody. Win, lose, or draw, Rick Flair. Rick, please, please let me just say one more thing. I was, I was just kidding you about going ahead and and. and wanting to challenge you. I didn't want to really challenge you. I was just kidding you, so. Ed Gummett, let's go ahead. That was beef, yeah. Thanks, guys. Hey!